Well, here we are again, another day, another dollar. Thank you for tuning in to the one and only radio broadcast, podcast, whatever you want to call the flipping thing that you, yes, you need to listen to. This is the James Whale Radio Show. Ah, yes, here we are. Thank you very much indeed. A very uh, very warm welcome to the James Whale Radio Show. Now, later, I'm going to talk to Yvonne Ridley. Uh, Fascinating. Yvonne has uh, got a new book out. It's called, um, well, I'll tell you what, it's all about torture and whether or not torture is, uh, is of any use whatsoever. I thought about using it on Rob from time to time, but uh, we'll, we'll check with Yvonne Ridley. And, uh, and find out whether she thinks it's uh, it's any good. Um, so welcome to the program. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, what an interesting week. What an interesting week it's been. Robbo, where are you? I'm here. I'm here. I'm, I'm here. I'm just worried about my gas. Why? They're digging up my garden. Yeah. They're laying new pipes. Well, that's all right, isn't it? Why? Why would you? Why would you be worried about that? Well, it's just a waste of time. Yeah, well, I could have told you that. Um, actually, when I think about it, uh, British Gas uh, have a, a lot to answer for. I'm having a huge problem with British Gas. Um, and uh, hashtag British Gas, bunch of... Uh, I cancelled my... Um, actually, not, not my domestic, but um, for one of my family's little businesses they have, uh, cancelled the whole gas supply with them months and months ago because I found them to be absolutely useless and they're still trying to to get 40 or 50 quid off me which is just you know they've already admitted that i just i I tell you what i i'm absolutely pig sick of it i don't know whether these organizations just hire idiots um or whether some people don't flip and listen every week now we seem to be getting another threatening letter saying if you don't pay we're going to turn you off I made the point to them, we don't get our gas from you. So I don't know how you're going to turn it off for a start. We don't owe you the money. You've agreed on that. Can you take it? Oh, yeah, we're terribly sorry. Yes. Oh, I don't know what's gone wrong. We'll go and sort it out. What am I, a consumer program all of a sudden? You're having as much problems as I am then. Well, I mean, what is wrong with these people? They're too big. That's what's wrong with them. Well, I wonder, once you get to be a huge organisation, does common sense just just disappear through the window? It's people in a call centre that don't really care much. They've just got a job to do and that's it. I suggest that we start employing intelligent people to work in call centres. Now, I'm sure there are some, and I'm sure that that, that it is not the the case that everybody that works in a call centre is completely stupid and slightly moronic. But it certainly seems to me that quite a large percentage are. There'd be a market for that. If you've got a company that advertised the fact that they only employed people of an IQ of a certain amount and that they only employed people in the call centres in the UK, but you pay a a slight premium, I think there'd be a market for it. (laughs) Well, I'm not sure that the people who who, uh, work in call centres in the UK are any better than those who work in call centres anywhere else. I mean, there there is a problem in understanding some people I t- didn't I tell you a few months ago, Mrs. W could not understand 
this person from a call center in Glasgow. She said, look, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't understand what you're saying. Could you speak more slowly? And the person just a, a tirade of abuse. Now, listen, I don't care where you come from in the world, but if you're going to work, uh, whether you're in Scotland, Wales, England, Ireland, or anywhere else, if you're going to work in a call center, then one of the things you have to do is be understood by the people you're talking to. It's not racist, and it's not snobbish to say to somebody with a very broad accent that you don't understand, I can't understand a flipping word you are saying. Am I the, listen, am I the only person who has this problem? And if I am, I apologize profusely. But listen, if anybody else has a problem with people ringing you up, wanting to sell you stuff, or people when you ring up and you get through to a call center, talking to people you can't understand. I don't have the problem with my mobile phone supplier. They, in fact, they're Vodafone. They are the most polite people I've ever met. They speak properly. They speak so you understand, because they're selling you something and because they want your business. But quite often from these big companies, they're just not, they don't care. No, they just don't care. And I'm flipping sick of it. I really am. And if I get somebody else, I phone someone now, I'm, I'm, I want to talk about this, or you might even phone the DVLA, you might phone HMRC, you might phone one of the government organizations. And quite often you get people who don't know how to speak English. Now, it may be because English isn't their first language. It may be because they have never been taught to articulate their words properly. I don't give a stuff what it is, to be quite honest. But if you are interfacing, that's a very nice word. If you're interfacing, 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 that might be something else. If you're interfacing with members of the public, then you need to be able to communicate, don't you? Certainly do, yes. You know, and I'm sick of these people, they read scripts to you. You ask them a question, they read a, a pre-prepared answer. Oh, yeah, that gets on my nerves. They're not allowed to think, are they? No, no, can't go off record. Yeah, so um, anybody who wants to get in on this, uh, British Gas have annoyed me intensely. Uh, some of the banks, I don't know where their call centres are, but I, I, I'm beginning to wonder whether some of them are on Mars. They have no idea. Uh, I'm just sick of it. They said, why don't we do an awards for the worst call, an award for the worst call centre in the country? Oh, we could do that, couldn't we? The Whale yeah. Awards. Worst call centre. The Whale Awards for the worst call centre. The mm. worst service from a, a call centre in the country. And the nominations are... And then we'll do the awards. So, so get voting. Uh, drop us an email or go on our website or go uh, onto Twitter or Facebook. Uh, you can find us all. Go to jameswhaleradio.co.uk. The email, uh, jameswhaleradio at gmail. Dot com, jameswhaleradio at gmail.com. But everything um, is there at jameswhaleradio.co.uk to get in touch, isn't it? It is indeed, yes. Yeah. So, um, and we did a poll on Twitter this week, which went remarkably well. I asked the question, um, they're going to build a wall. Have they been talking to Trump? I believe so, yes. Yeah, they're going to build a wall around the jungle in Calais to keep the migrants out. The, the, the problem I have is, first of all, it will it make any difference? No, of course it won't. You know, people are, are desperate. They are going to find a way of getting out. Did you just beep then? 
No, I just people tweeting me. So very nice. Thank you very much indeed. Tweet me at the James Whale and uh, and, and get on board, and uh, we'll have a chat. Um, so <clears throat> uh, I was glad to. I thought everybody said, "Oh yes, it'll make a job. We don't want any of these." But there are loads of sensible people listen to this program now, uh, and said, "Of course, it won't make any difference." You put, you know, the the problem is we've got desperate and disparate people who have been escaping war zones, who've been escaping um, famine, who've been escaping hard lives, and they they want better for themselves and their families, and who can blame them? Um, and all they've got from the rest of the world is a kind of concentration camp arbitrarily set up there in France for the people who want to come here. And I'm led to believe, of course, uh, people in these sort of camps around the rest of Europe too, and we're doing nothing about it. Well, rest assured that this will blow up in our faces if we don't do something about it soon. What was the um, result of your poll? I haven't finished it yet, but it's a, it's still going on Twitter if anybody wants to take um, take part. But I, I think, to be honest with you, it uh, it looks like uh, about 75-80% of people agree that putting a wall around the jungle in Calais isn't going to solve any problems at all, and that we need to start worrying more about humanity in this country. Fair enough. You know, the churches are no flipping use, are they? Takes me on to my other favourite subject this week, the churches and homosexuality. There's a lot of it about. If you took every gay person out of the, the, the churches here and all over the world, there'd be nobody left, would there? There'd be a few left, but not, not well, as many. hardly. Hardly. It's about time. You know, if, if a lot of these African countries are so offended by homosexuality, uh, when in this country... We understand that people should be free and allowed, quite rightly, um, to follow their own path as long as they don't interfere with other people. Um, that's perfectly acceptable in all walks of life. You know, why, why do we have... We, some members of, of the, the Commonwealth... Uh, we, you know, old excuse for colonialism, really. The last, the last twangs of colonialism, the, the British Commonwealth. Uh, and if... if Common, British Commonwealth countries cannot ab abide by British laws. Why don't we just kick them out? That is true, actually, yeah. Yeah, just a thought. Why don't we do that? They're ruled by the Queen, aren't they still, technically? Technically, yeah. Yeah, so if they have yeah. to go by the Queen's rules, not the boxing. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, exactly. Uh, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, listen, why don't we... Uh, I want to talk about... Don't let me forget about uh, China. The um, the country or the uh, fine bone? No, 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 the country. Okay, China. I want to talk about that later. But why don't we take a break and then uh, maybe chat to our guest of, uh, of the programme this week, Yvonne Ridley. Okay. Thank you very much indeed. Sitting in my room and I'm on my own It's cold outside and I'm feeling alone So I turn that dial and my radio's on I hear James Well and my troubles are gone I hear James Well on the radio I hear James Well and his podcast show I hear Now, let's listen, let's talk about torture. Well, not no, let's not let's talk about whether or not torture 
um, is a is a good idea or not. Uh, Yvonne Ridley joins me. She's just written a book, which is all about the benefits or not of torture. Yvonne, hello. Hi. Um, let, let's just go back a bit and, and talk about your history and why you're interested in this. And um, the fact that, that, I suppose, the vast majority of people in the country got to know about you and you became a household name after you became a prisoner of the Taliban. Are we right? That's right. It's coming up to the 15th anniversary, and it was a terrifying experience. I was the chief reporter of the Sunday Express at the time, and I had uh, sneaked into Afghanistan wearing the all-enveloping burqa, and I was trying to get an exclusive. And um, unfortunately, after a couple of days inside the country, I was rumbled and arrested. Golly. How worried, how frightened were you, Yvonne, at the time? Well, I, I was absolutely terrified. But, you know, the funny thing is, once I got used to the idea that I was going to be killed because I'd convinced myself this was going to be the outcome, the thing that really preyed on my mind was, are they going to torture me? And that became much more of a concern than whether I was actually going to live or die. And I just uh, sat for days pondering this, thinking, if they give me a blank piece of paper, I'll sign it. I will admit to anything rather than, you know, endure any pain. And it, it really um, was at the forefront of my mind that I was going to be tortured. Was there ever any indication at that time that you might be tortured? No, I mean, it, it, all the fear was manufactured in my own head. I mean, I, along with many other journalists, had written about this evil, brutal regime, how they hated women. Um, Tony Blair and George Bush had told us so, and they wouldn't lie, would they? So, you know, I, um, I had bought into my own propaganda and was convinced that uh, that I would be tortured. And what really concerned me is I had no valuable information to give them. And and I, I just thought, you know, that they think I'm some sort of international spy, and I've got nothing of any value to give them intelligence-wise. Well, I suppose you were working for a fairly uh, right-wing newspaper and presumably you believed quite a lot of the stories that you'd heard yes you know it, it's uh the media is a very powerful um thing as you, you well know and uh unfortunately you know it, it it can be used and abused by people in powerful places to help sway public opinion and um well i, I guess on a different level you know the power of advertising and it certainly worked with me. I was convinced for the, the entire 11-day periods I was held that they would uh, brutalize or abuse me in some way. Well, you weren't brutalized, you weren't abused, you came back, and then, completely contrary to anything anybody thought, you then decided that you would convert to Islam. Now, a lot of the stories in the paper said that you'd agreed to do this to get released 
um, which some people might have thought was a form of torture anyway. <laughs> well, I did give them an undertaking that if they released me, I would read the Quran and any Islamic literature that came my way. And I, I did. And it, what started out as an academic exercise turned into a spiritual journey. And more than, well, it was about two years later, I ended up embracing Islam, which would have gone largely unnoticed had I not um, had chosen to wear the, the hijab. And of course, putting on the hijab immediately propelled me into the, the front lines and I was accused of being a Stockholm Syndrome victim, you know, somebody who um, falls under the influence and sway of their captors, which couldn't be further from the truth. And uh, so it, it was um, quite a, a bizarre reaction. Do you think now, looking back on this, if you realize what was going to happen when you decided to adopt Islamic clothing, do you think you might have not done that? You might have just kept it quiet to yourself? I think on reflection, it probably would have been better. I mean, a lot of my friends were shocked um, to discover not only was I a practicing Muslim, but I had been a practicing Christian. Now, I'd managed to get away with that for many years because, um, you know, I, I didn't make a big deal of it. But the moment I put on a hijab, um, you know, you're out there in the open, um, exposed to all sorts of abuse and ridicule. And it would have, on reflection, it would have been much easier to have um, kept it quiet. I mean, I live in the Scottish borders now, and um, I just wander around with a tweed hat or a, a flat cap, and nobody gives me a second look. And um, and I I like that anonymity. And um, so I, you know, I I'm still covered. Islamically, but um, you know nobody bothers when you're wearing a tweed cap or a flat cap. Do you think there is ever any chance that this world can live in peace with two such large religions as Christianity and Islam? Is there ever going to be a time when these two religions can kind of cohabit side by side without the aggravation we seem to see at the moment? Well, yes. I mean, I, I don't think that the aggravation and the atrocities that are being committed uh, by either side at the moment has anything to do with religion. Um, you know, it's a lot of it is about territory. And, and when you look at all the wars and conflicts and problems in the world today, much of it is really about land, about territory, about control. And on paper, there is no reason why Muslims and Christians shouldn't get on. There's some very active interfaith movements around, and um, and as a, you know, there is no reason really 
why uh, people shouldn't get on. But unfortunately, this you know this overriding desire for power, control, uh, territorial gains, and um, largely pushed by men, I have to say. Um, I wonder, you know, if, if the world would be a different place if we had more women in positions of power. Well, I'm all for that, actually. I, th- I agree with you, as you probably know. I think that would be a very good idea. Um, I, <laughs> I'd, I'd be interested, before we talk more about your book, do you think the members of ISIS, are, th- are they religiously motivated or are they misguided? They're not religiously motivated in in the slightest. I would say the majority of them um, come from backgrounds around the world, not just in, in Europe, but around the world, where they are virtually unemployable, unable to get married, outcasts or on the fringes of their own society. They're low achievers. And suddenly, you know, they're on the net and somebody is promising um, them a a black uniform, a gun and a wife and and, um, money. And suddenly, you know, it it seems an attractive proposition to them that uh, they go from being Billy No Mates in whichever country they come from to a position of power, control and dominance. Of course, um, they're probably not thinking that at the moment, um, as um, you know, the bombs are dropping in an increased uh, way in Iraq and Syria. But um, I think that a lot of these young recruits are basically, you know, on the fringes of their own society, and you know, we we saw this or we've seen this time and time again when you look at the profile of the sort of people who joined Anjum Chowdhury's little band of uh, rabble-rousers. 99.9% of Muslims in Britain looked at, at this group and just thought they have nothing to do with our faith. Is there more that the West could do to help the problems in the Middle East at the moment? And, and if so, what? Well, that's the big question, isn't it? Because, you know, to be brutally frank, um, the West has created many of the problems that exist in the Middle East today. There is certainly no way that I would uh, promote or endorse um, the likes of Gaddafi or uh, Saddam Hussein. But one thing that we know for certain is that they would never, ever have allowed the likes of ISIS to get a toehold in their countries. And the the problem with with ISIS now it's it's like trying to nail jelly to to a wall. Their, their supporters or perceived supporters are all over the world and and disenfranchised, disenchanted uh, men who go out and commit atrocities in the name of um, of this this group. And of course, we you know we've seen the product. Of, of their vile work in um, in Paris and, and uh, throughout France, and it's you know really terrifying. And you have to look at, at the origins of it, and you just know that um, in recent history, so I'm talking the last two decades. In recent history, uh, none of this would have happened if um, 
if we had just stayed out of Iraq. Mm. Okay, I mean, it's a depressing world in which we're living at the moment, and it seems that, that very few politicians have any kind of ideas or solutions to it. Um, which moves me on to ask you, Yvonne, why did you suddenly decide you were going to write a book on torture? Um, it, um, uh, it's interesting because I've never understood why any, any, any uh, organization thought that torture was going to be of any use whatsoever. Because, as you said at the beginning of this, if somebody threatens to torture you, I'm going to tell them whatever they want to hear. You ask me a question, what, do you, what, what answer do you want me to give you? And I'll agree. It's something that had dwelled on my mind a lot when I was captured 15 years ago. And subsequently, I have interviewed a number of people who've been caught up in the war on terror on both sides of the, of the conflict. And some of them have been torture victims. And like me, they had absolutely nothing of value to tell. And they had no information to give, but unfortunately their captors didn't believe this and so started with um, torture, enhanced interrogation techniques, waterboarding, um, you know, we, we, the, the, the stories are well documented now and thanks to the release of declassified files, we, we, we get a general picture of what happened. Um, in Guantanamo, for instance, more than 800 men have passed through there. And, of course, they weren't picked up in a, in a battlefield as we know it, in this sort of asymmetric warfare. They, they've been picked up in, in various countries um, uh, that aren't uh, in war zones and have ended up in orange suits and have been tortured in Guantanamo. Every single one of them, without exception, was asked, where does Bin Laden live? This was obviously before he was um, uh, killed. And not one of them could give an answer. Now, critics would say, yes, well, they're trained not to give information. Well, I don't think um, Al-Qaeda's training is that good that 800 men would have resolutely refused to crack. Um, and it, it just proves that uh, torture doesn't work, A, because people either didn't have the information, um, or if, even if they did have the information, they weren't prepared to give it. So for quite a few years, um, they, the Americans couldn't find out where bin Laden was hiding. And when they did eventually get him, they got him through old-fashioned eavesdropping intelligence methods and nothing to do with electrodes, waterboarding, beating somebody within an inch of their life, which, you know, brings into a question the whole value um, of torturing people. You know, does it produce good, solid intelligence? Do all sides in, in conflicts, do you think, use torture? Do, is, is the sort of uh, perceived idea now that if you get somebody you pick them up in a in a conflict they're on the other side to you that they may well have information and if they don't give it to you freely um then uh, what's the other word to torture enhanced um enhanced interrogation techniques have to be used does everybody use it well it's not just the americans 
um, to be fair, you know, um, but sadly, because the Americans who are perceived to be the superpower and, and the police of the world, because they have admitted to um, carrying it out in a routine uh, way, it has encouraged other countries and regimes to do the same. And it's no coincidence at all that um, ISIS, for instance, dresses its Western hostages in orange um, boiler suits, you know, so that people can draw a parallel straight away with, with Guantanamo. And this is another aspect that I've looked at in the book, the unintended consequences of a legacy as a result of torture. And the, and the legacy, of course, is that those innocent people that you would torture, they and their, their families could quite easily become the terrorists of tomorrow. Certainly, um, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if among uh, the ex-detainees that uh, quite a few hold a grudge. Now, how that will manifest itself down the line remains to be seen. But there's quite a, a section in the book that's devoted to the French-Algerian conflict and the methodology of that war by the French military was um, to grab hold of suspects and torture them uh, very often to the point of death within the first 24 hours of capture. Uh, certainly, few survived to be able to uh, go through courts or, or um, try and, and seek recourse legally. And once the French people discovered what was being done in their name, they were absolutely appalled and raised so much political pressure that France had to, in the end, walk away from Algeria and it lost an entire colony. You could also argue that um, maybe some of the roots of the atrocities being committed in France today could be traced back to the torture dungeons uh, that the French had when they um, were controlling Algeria. It's something that certainly is worth investigating more and could also explain this burning deep resentment some of the North African immigrants in France hold towards the French. Is there, I mean, it seems a bit silly and slightly facile, but there we are. I mean, is there is there a, a sort of instruction book on torture techniques? Has torture changed over the over the decades? I mean, are we using the same sort of torture we used perhaps back in the Middle Ages? Or is it more modern? Is it more psychological now than it was when, when physical torture seemed to be the main thing? Well, I don't think there's anything psychological about waterboarding somebody or, um, or making them stand in a stressed position for 24 hours or playing loud music. I mean, there's nothing subtle um, about the torture methods. And again, setting aside the, the moral and legal um, implications, what I looked at from a military point of view was, does it work as a, as a weapon in a modern army? Does it have a place? And I would say no, because I couldn't find 
with, apart from one exception, I couldn't find any cases where torturing somebody or the threat of violence had produced a result. Because we're often told, you know, there's a ticking time bomb, we need to do this, we can't waste time. And of course, this is glamorized by Hollywood with um, uh, the agent Jack Bauer and, and the series 24 and, and a few other similar programs. But, it, you know, it's embedded in the public psyche now that, oh, yeah, it's okay to uh, slap somebody around because they will spill the beans, when in fact it's simply not true. There must be people that are caught um, who have information, if you like, about a possible attack. Uh, and surely if they just sit there and say no comment the whole time, I mean, there must be a way of getting the information out of some of these people. Well, in the case of trained or hardened recruits, um, then they're not going to to speak out. And this is something that I looked at in um, in particular in the Second World War. And there was one particular agent who was tortured by the Nazis, and he actually had information about the D-Day landings. And he was captured and tortured uh, by the Gestapo three weeks in advance of the D-Day landings. And uh, Churchill was informed and everyone apparently held their breath because if he had given this information, it could have wrecked the the whole intelligence-led operation. As it was, he didn't talk. And when he was last seen, he was being dragged away um, in some dungeon in Berlin with half his fingernails torn out and, and in a blood-drenched shirt. And nobody knows what happened to him afterwards. The body was never recovered. But um, that man had information that could have um, wrecked the, the whole planning for D-Day, and he didn't give it. And I, I have to say, you know, if I'd had that information and they'd got hold of me, I would have sung like a canary. The thing about singing like a canary, Yvonne, is that I imagine as soon as the captors get the information out of you, they're probably going to kill you anyway. Well, going back to the Taliban cell, I was convinced I was going to be killed. And once I got over that, the thought of being put against a wall and shot was far more preferable than um, to being tortured. Well, it's a cheery discussion we're having, Yvonne, I must admit. Um, your book is available now. What's it called? It's called Torture Does It Work? It's out on Tuesday, and it's um, on Amazon Books at the moment um, for anyone who wants to pre-order. There's a subtitle, Interrogation Issues and Effectiveness in the Global War on Terror. And... I'm hoping that um, it, it will be picked up by people who are curious um, about the about its use and and if it does actually work. And as I say, there was only one case study where um, the use of a threat of violence actually worked, and um, and that was in Australia, and that was um, in a police force when a child had been kidnapped and uh, so it, it you know it, it it 
goes right back to 1945, and, and um, the, you know, there's a lot of um, information that's come from now declassified documents uh, that the Brits got it to because we had our own version of Guantanamo in Britain in the 1940s. But um, interestingly enough, uh, that holding facility did not encourage or promote torture at all, and yet it had a great success in gathering intelligence um, information. Well, I think you should send a copy of this to Donald Trump in case he becomes the uh, next president of the United States. Well, I've, I've sent him uh, the, the details via Twitter. Um, he, he likes the social networks, and I, I think that uh, he, he would find it uh, useful um, if he did bother to read it, but I'm, I'm not sure that he would. Now, I'd be fascinated to know whether you'll be allowed into the country to do a lecture tour about your new book. Well, there is interest from the U.S. military in, and, and some um, some officers in the U.S. military have actually helped um, with the book. And in fact, uh, you know, they uh, have distanced themselves from the type of enhanced interrogation techniques used by their um, colleagues in the CIA and, and other intelligence agencies. So it, it is interesting that the U.S. military is trying to distance itself from these uh, tactics. Well, maybe there'll be hope for the world in the future. Yvonne, nice to talk to you after all this time. Thank you very much indeed for, uh, for telling us about the new book, and uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Thank you very much, James. Uh, thank you very much indeed to uh, to Yvonne, uh, who I first met back in the 70s uh, when I was working in the Northeast. And uh, she's had, I'll tell you, she has had a very interesting life, has she not? And um, I think her book will be fascinating. And I think also the sooner people can uh, can stop worrying. Do you know, it's religion. And I know Yvonne is a, is a very religious person, uh, but she doesn't she doesn't feel sort of offended if you're not. Uh, so many people get offended by stuff, don't they? That's a problem nowadays. Um, but anyway, never mind. Um, get a chance, have a look at her book. Uh, and maybe, uh, maybe it'll make you think differently about things. I don't know. Now, Robbo. Yes, sir. Yeah, and don't forget, by the way, you can get in touch with us, uh, jameswhaleradio at gmail.com. Check out the website, jameswhaleradio.co.uk. Uh, and uh, if you've uh, fed up with this program, we've got another hundred odd hours. You can have a listen to those, can't you? Yeah, just pick and choose what you like. Yeah. A lot of people want me to get David Icon as a guest, so should we try and do that in the next few weeks? We can do that. Good. Right. Um, here we go. China. Yes, you were going to talk about China. Yeah. I'm going to talk about China uh, because, as you know, uh, I am a dog person. I love dogs. I kind of prefer dogs to human beings in many cases. Um front page of the mirror a few days ago uh chinese uh, they have a, a a love certain countries do it of dog meat but they now pictures of them boiling dogs alive no on the front page of the mirror uh and i'm just sick of it so this is what i'm suggesting i think the government should now refuse to do any business i don't want the chinese over here building a power station i'm i don't you know i don't blame individual chinese people uh obviously but the culture, and I, I find it difficult because I do eat meat, although I'm eating less and less and less meat because every time you eat 
I don't know, a lamb chop or a, a, a chicken or a burger or whatever, some animal has had to forfeit its life. And in quite a lot of cases, in a fairly, fairly brutal manner, whatever anybody says. Um, and I've lived, Mrs. W's been a vegetarian, well, for about 35, 40 years. So uh, um, we have this discussion quite often. Uh, but just the pictures that they put in the mirror, some too horrific, and, and apparently some of the videos they have, uh, of of this appalling, appa thanks, Daisy. You could did you hear that? That yeah, was yeah. Daisy. Yeah, protesting. Not happy. No. Yeah. Well, da no. Daisy's Daisy's actually going to start her own website about this. I think the Chinese have to be uh, have to be. You see, I, I want to have a go at the Chinese, but then I think about some of the mistreatment of animals in this country, and I think it's more important. I think just we talk about the mistreatment of animals. There was a video. Uh, put online the other day of a man beating the hell out of his dog, throwing it against a wall. Um, he'd been caught. And what did, what happened to him? He was banned from keeping dogs for two years. Well, for a start, it should have been permanently. Permanently, and maybe he should have had his fingers removed. I would have hung the bloke by his thumbs for a week. Yeah, that sounds more realistic. Yep. Yeah. I, 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 I just, you know, we have to stop. In a world that is as mucked up as this one we've got to stop treating uh, ourselves and fellow inhabitants of this planet the way we do otherwise there's no hope i mean mankind just deserves to to uh, to, to to cease to exist and that's probably what will happen if we carry on the way we are well you've depressed me now no i know i'm sorry i i, I shouldn't depress you but you see if we're talking about it if we're communicating about it if we're actually discussing these things something might happen this this complete inadequate who beat his dog up and by the way wants his dog back now uh and he ain't gonna have that and, uh, and his name is darren something or other um it was in all the papers the other day um he needs to be ostracized um so i i, I suppose i want to have a go about the chinese and their their disgusting behavior of boiling animals alive not just dogs any animal um, killing them in that way, but then we do it. A lot of people go into a restaurant, choose a lobster floating around in a pot with its claws all uh, bound up, and have it stuck in a pan. I mean, I think that's pretty disgusting. Now you say it, I, I do remember seeing clips of people in Ooh. restaurants putting live lobsters in pots. Yes, yeah, just put them in the pot and boil them, and they they'll tell you that it kills them straight away. But I imagine it probably doesn't. But it just you know we just treat animals appallingly. I'm an offender because I eat, I don't eat as much, and I'm going to stop, I'm trying to stop. But I, you know, I like a little bit of chicken curry. Yeah. And the chicken's probably been very badly treated that I've just eaten. And you go into a supermarket and all the meat is made to look as if it didn't come from a living thing. Uh, and if we told, if our children realized when they were growing up what happened to give them their lamb chop, their pork chop, their bacon and everything else... Um, we don't need to eat meat, do we, really? There are enough things for us to eat without eating. Maybe if we just cut back the amount of meat we eat, then animals would get treated better, even those animals that have to die to feed us. Yeah, that'd be true. More room for them to manoeuvre. Mm. So there we are. Um, I'd loads of things to talk about on the show, but sadly we're running out of time. Um, should we do a bit of tech talk, because this is quite interesting? Should we play the jingle first? Well, I think, yes. I mean, obviously, we're going to do tech talk. Let's play the jingle. Because the jingle's the uh, the payment, isn't it, at the end of the day? It's a bit of Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you want to advertise on the program, by the way, uh, feel free to get in touch, jameswellradio at gmail.com. Okay, I'll play it now. Tech Talk, sponsored by Oda UK. 
Sweat. Smell as good as your friends. Sweat. The 100% recycled new body spray from Odor UK. Well, there we are. So, should we do tech talk? Yep. The iPhone 7 and 7 Plus. Yeah. I've uh, just got, I've just upgraded to a 5SE. Is that an upgrade or a downgrade? No, it's not. I didn't want the 6. It's too flimsy. Okay. It's too big as well. It's a, it's a current phone, I think. What, the 6? The 5SE. Yeah, it is a current phone. I don't see what's the problem. Yeah. You know, why, why would that be a problem? Is that to go with your Apple Watch, is it? Yeah. How's that working for you? Very nice. Very nice. Thank you very much indeed. Very good. Very, very, very useful. <laughs> so, yeah, the iPhone 7 and the iPhone 7 Plus. If they want to send me a 7, I'll, I'll do a review of it. Can you send me the, 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 the Bluetooth earpiece as well? So you want the 7, which one, the 7 or the 7 Plus? Um, oh, well, I might as well go for broke. Give me the 7 Plus. 7 Plus with the, uh, the, the headset. Yeah, because what? it'll look good when I'm driving the new Ford Mustang. Oh, here we go. Getting as many adverts as we can in this show. Yeah, thank you very much indeed to uh, Ford for uh, sponsoring this program. Right. Should we get back to Tech Talk now? Yeah, go on. I wish you would, yeah. <laughs> so the uh, 7 and 7 Plus, the new uh, Apple iPhones, not much different from the old ones, apart from they've removed the headphone socket, so everything has to be wireless, or you have to use a special adapter to plug your old headphones in. And they may be waterproof now because the socket has been removed. The camera is slightly improved. I say slightly. And that's about it. Oh, and the button on the bottom's gone. Is it about time that these phone companies stopped actually producing a new model every year? It's getting stupid now. They're just bringing out tiny little revisions. Apparently, they're not mm. doing so good anymore, Apple. They're falling out of favor. And Samsung are starting to take over. Well, I like the Apple. I mean, I know where I am with it. Well, it's quite universal. Every Apple's the same as everyone else's Apple, mm. so it's yeah, quite exactly. nice to use. And, and, you know, I think that's, uh, I, I, you know, you're going to uh, get some, uh, some companies fall by the wayside. I don't think Apple will, but I don't think we'll have as many producing these Android phones as we've had. Do you? Uh, yeah, I think the Samsung is obviously the, the clear leader, and there's HTC, that's another one. But a lot of mm. the other big boys, like Microsoft, who bought out Nokia, that's all going. Yeah. Um, so, so it'll yeah. be Apple, Samsung, and maybe HTC, or maybe one other as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I still quite like the idea of the uh, the, the the Bluetooth headset to uh, to to go with it. To be honest, they're just going to get the lost. only thing about those Bluetooth headsets is you look a pillock if you walk round with them. Yeah, well, they've got no cord hanging off them, so they just look they just look ridiculous. Well, you can always put a bit of cord on if you want a bit of cord. Well, then you might as well use the adapter. No, I suppose so. I suppose so. Um, anyway, shall we finish off with uh, questions or not? Uh, we can do questions for the whale, yes. Yeah, have we got, yeah, got any questions today or not? Uh, I've got a few. Well, let's just do a few because we're running right out of time. May I say thank you to all those other radio stations, of course. Uh, now taking the James Whale Radio Show, which is available right here right now anytime you want it available on your pc available on your iphone android phone tablet whatever you can pick us up at jameswhaleradio.co.uk just press on the links okay uh first question is from michelle frey or Faye. right there's no r it's just Faye. yeah why don't you just use the first name because you know your reading is not good well michelle's longer than Faye, so is it yeah yeah okay or frey 
Well, it's not Frey. There's no R. Right. I could put an um, R in. We will, we'll run out of everything if we don't get on with this, won't we? Okay. Where does all the warm rubber off UK tyres, bicycles and shoes go? It's an interesting point, that, Michelle. Um, it goes into the roads and the pavements. Um, and eventually that's why they have to be resurfaced. Well, surely the road would have a nice rubber coating, wouldn't it? Yeah, but then you slide all over the place. That's what happens. So that's why when you watch Formula One, uh, they they um, they say things like there's a, a lot of rubber on the track there. Uh, drivers trying to avoid that can be uh, slippy. Okay, I'm not going to say the surname of this one. Um, good, I wouldn't. But the, the, the surname is McClelland. So it's uh, Nicky McClelland. I would think so, yeah. The number one song 30 years ago was Boris Gardner, I Want to Wake Up With You, was it? It was. Well, I don't know if it was number one, but I remember Boris Gardner and I Want to Wake Up With You, yeah. What's been your favourite one-hit wonder of all time? Oh, I do, do you know, I don't know. One-hit wonder. Um, Race With The Devil by Gun. Mm. Norman Greenbaum, Spirit In The Sky. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Marv Johnson, I'll pick a rose for my rose. Oh, Rose is the name of the, the, the lady. Yeah, yeah. All one-hit wonders. All right, go on, carry on. Uh, Jimmy Small. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's his name. Right, okay, that's Not all right. Good. I used to know a bloke called Tyrone Small. Is there an official James Whale fan club? If not, why not? Um, I, 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 uh, is there an official James Whale fan club? I don't think there's an official one, is there? No, I mean, there's a Facebook group you can join. Yeah, fa join the Facebook group. That's very good. Or follow me on Twitter, at the James Whale. There, there you are, Jimmy. Uh, Dave Michaels Spate. Is that right? Right, yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, why do we wash bath towels? Aren't we clean when we use them? No, don't be ridiculous. Dave, if that's a serious question, then you really need to get some help. Danny you know, when you use a bath towel, Dave, you dry all the rubbish off your body, don't you? Dead skin that comes yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. Danny Costello, should Vaz be furtherly disciplined by Corbyn? Well, that's a private matter, isn't it, really, for Corbyn to decide, as he's already said. Can you hear the dog in the I background? I can, yeah. No, well, ever since she's become famous, she sees me working on the radio. She wants to know why she isn't involved. Diva dog. Diva, well, she, I'll tell you, she is becoming a bit of a diva. We went out the other day uh, to this do in London, and the paparazzi were there, and she just hogged it. Dogs do that. Uh, Adam Fuller. Mm -hmm. I've been trying to trace my brother for years, but the paper keeps slipping off his face. Any suggestions? Yeah, why don't you just use a camera, take a photograph, and then you can trace the picture of the photograph and it'll be flat. Brilliant suggestion. Yeah? yeah? Okay. Let's have one more. I've got to go. Okay, Kevin Walsh. How do the keep off the grass signs actually get there? You'll notice, Kevin, that they are very close to the edge of the grass, so nobody would have had to actually go on the grass to do it. Ridiculous person you are. Well, they could have put the sign in first and then put the seed yeah, and then well, they could have done that as well. That's pretty stupid as well. Um, anyway, listen, I've got to go. Thank you very much indeed for everybody listening. Uh, will you will you uh, sort out all the other the technical side and clean the studio and do all that bef before you leave? Again, yeah, twice this week. I know. 
I know, but can you do that? Well, of course I can do it. I've already done it. Good. Yeah. Well, in that case, uh, thank you very much indeed. Enjoy the programme, and we'll be back same time, same place next week. to the James Well Radio Show. For more information, visit www.jameswellradio.co.uk. Why not check us out on facebook.com slash jameswellradioshow or follow James on Twitter at the James Whale. James Whale, the voice of reason.